Hallelujah. Today I'm going to talk to you about something, and we're going to title it, Stop Fretting and Start Trusting. Anybody know what fretting is? Now, I, I went to the 1828 Webster's Dictionary to look up fretting. Now, you know Mr. Webster was a fine Christian man, but I tell you, that was an old definition. <laughs> so I, I went to a modern definition to see what fretting was because I thought I knew what it was, but how many know that sometimes it's good to go get a definition? You might think you know, but of course fret, fret means to worry. Well, I figured that. Didn't you figure that's what fret meant? But it means to actually to be tormented. Annoyed or vexed. Fret. And what we see today is that even the church is fretting. And God wants us to stop fretting and start trusting. And he talks about it all through the scriptures. Uh, It's talked in the Old Covenant, especially in the book of Psalms. And uh, it's talked about in the New Covenant. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Let's find that really quick. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word today. As you find that, let's just pray over the word. Father, I thank you today for your word that it's blessed. I thank you that the hearers will be blessed as they hear your word. Father, I pray that you will fill my mouth with good things that I'll speak as the oracles of God. And that, Father, today life will come into every person in this building. That, Father God, your word will bring life and healing to all our flesh. That this word will bring light to our pathways. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do today through your word. That we will choose today to be not only hearers of the word. First of all, we'll choose to hear. And then we choose to be doers of the word. We will hear and we will do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said... Amen. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. Now, you know, according to Deuteronomy 28, we've been redeemed from the curse. But you can be redeemed from the curse and still still get under it because you're trusting in something other than the Lord. It's not God's will. You've been redeemed. It says, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. Makes flesh his strength. That's what we talked about in the offering. And whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert. And will not see when prosperity comes. But will live in stony waste in the wilderness. A land of salt without inhabitants. But here's our promise. Amen. Let's don't be like that guy. Let's don't be like the one that trusts in his own flesh. Let's be like this one. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose trust is the Lord. Now that's two different things. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord. And blessed is a man whose trust is the Lord. Do you understand what that's saying? That not only do I trust in him. But not only. Let's say it again. Not only do I trust in him. But he is my trust. He is everything I need, and so therefore I have no need to trust anything else. I don't need to trust in my arm of flesh. I don't need to trust in 
and other sources. I can trust in the Lord. Because really, what are we? You know, like I said, you might be the smartest person in the room today. But without Jesus, you're lacking. You might be the strongest man or woman in the house today. But without Jesus, you're weak. So we say blessed. We say blessed, as according to this scripture, is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he, the man that trusts in the Lord, and the man whose trust is the Lord, what's he like? He's not like that bush in the desert. You ever been in the desert? One day, uh, we were in Southern California. We got up one morning and decided to go to Joshua Tree National Park. Joshua Tree is a desert area. And uh, being true Canadians, you know, uh, we went at noontime. Not really smart. But the smart thing about it is if you go at noon and you take a hike in the desert, the rattlesnakes and the poisonous snakes, are they're smarter than you, so they're not out in the sun. Except when your husband and your children pray to see rattlesnakes and poisonous snakes. And so the rule of nature goes out the door because prayer and faith overseeded that, overcome that. So that when the mother, me, is thanking God that the snakes are under the, the rocks and praise God we're not going to see the snakes. And as we're hiking and I hear my husband say, whoa, look at that. And he starts running toward he always ran towards something, you know. He, he said, look, it's a rattlesnake. And he's running with his camera. The man would run after bears or a man would run after everything. He never ran from them. He ran towards them. And he's running toward this, this outcropping of uh, rocks. And he's so excited. And I'm saying to the kids, run, kids, run. Oh, I'm taking off running, which is stupid too. But uh, I'm running the trail, and David's running toward the tr- the rocks. It's not smart to hike in the desert at noon. But they got to see, the ones who pray got to see the snakes. But what's that have to do with a bush in the desert? Well, in the desert, the bushes are dry. They're not very productive. It's... If you see a plant in the desert, it's not going to stay pretty for long. If you see a flower, there's, the flowers don't bloom for long. Why? It's desert. But that's how we are without God. You know, the desert, now the Bible talks about Jerusalem. It says that in the last days, before Jesus comes back, the desert's going to bloom. And uh, it already the, the deserts in Israel are starting to bloom. They've irrigated. There's things happening there. Praise God. But stony places are not the best places to plant, right? According to Mark 4, he said, when you sow your seed among the stones, it's not going to produce. Well, he says, that's what it's like when you trust in yourself. But when you trust in the Lord, what are you like? You're like a tree that's planted by the water whose roots extend, the roots are down by the stream and they extend, and he will not fear when the heat comes. Let me tell you, church, 
Heat's going to come. Isn't that right? Jonathan just referred to this a little bit this morning. There, there's going to there's be trouble. Jesus said, as long as you're in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But, don't you love that? He did stop. But be of good cheer. He just told you you're going to have trouble. Does that make you want to cheer up? Woohoo! No. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. See, you can walk through some things. You can go through some things when you know what the outcome is. Amen? Like, you know, uh, if you're going to ride one of these great big, you know, amusement park rides, maybe you're going to be on the roller coaster. Well, you can... You can do that because you know it's only going to last a few minutes, and then you're going to be back down. But if they told you if you get on this, we can't tell you when you'll get off. Probably, now some of you would just go for it. Me, no. We know the outcome. This is the one thing about trusting in the Lord. You know the outcome. He said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Jesus has already, what did we sing about He's already conquered death. He's already conquered every problem. He has already done what you couldn't do. Isn't that wonderful? He will be like a tree planted by the water. We'll not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. You know a tree that's planted by water? It's just, it's just going to keep on being green because it's planted by the water. Even when there's drought conditions, those trees that are along the riverside, they're going to keep being green because their roots are not just surface. They go, you know, the surface is where the drought is. But there is water down there, and big trees have deep roots. Amen? So praise the Lord. That's what we're supposed to be like. We're not supposed to fear when heat comes. The devil tries to put the heat on, doesn't he? But we're not, we don't fear. We don't fret. We have no fear. See, the first thing you've got to recognize is that fear has been conquered. Didn't we read in the, first, uh, in the New Covenant, Paul is talking to Timothy. He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love. A sound or disciplined mind. Amen? God has not given us a spirit of fear. So where do we get a spirit of fear? If God didn't give it, there's only one other place you get it. So who are you going to take something from? If you have a spirit of fear, then God will deliver you. I grew up, my mother thought that's how you're supposed to raise children. With fear. She thought if you put enough fear in them, they won't get killed. And they won't do something stupid. Well, we didn't get killed, but we sure did do stuff, things stupid. But, but that's how I was raised. My mother, you know, everything was, was tagged with a fear thing. You know, get, don't play in the street, you'll get run over and killed. Never don't play in the street, which is a good idea. Don't play in the street because it's not smart. No, don't play in the street and then she'd tag it with, you'll get killed. My kids, they learn, don't play in the street, use wisdom. They probably heard that at least five times a day, hey? 
at least. Use wisdom. Now that they're grown, they tell me how they didn't use wisdom in some things. Did you know that we jumped off the ledge, Mom? No, I didn't know that. Uh, did you know that one time Jonathan wasn't breathing? <laughs> really? <laughs> you find out things when they grow up and they tell you. How many parents know that they tell you things they did and you go, Oh, Jesus, thank you for protecting them because <laughs> that could have made me be fearful to leave them. But they survived. I don't know what they would have done if I hadn't told them all, all during their life to have wisdom. Because they did stupid things anyway. But they survived. But we in the, in the church today, the church, Jeremiah talks about it. The church has had a drought, talks about a drought of the word of God. The church today is more social club. And God is looking for a people who will take the word of the living God and say this is the truth and everything else has to be measured by this. We don't measure it by what is popular. We don't measure it by what people's opinions are. We certainly don't measure it by what the media says. But we measure our lives by this book because this book has the truth. Amen? So that if I'm going to measure myself, if I'm going to look at myself, and, I, and when fear comes, or when drought comes, or when the heat gets turned up, then this is my marker. This is where I start. How do I measure up here? Okay, Brownie, are, are you doing the word? Are you believing the word? What's coming out of your mouth? You know, you'll know what you believe by what you say. Amen? You will say what you believe because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to know what's in someone's heart? Listen to what they say. You want to know what's in your heart? You should go around with a recorder. I think that would be a good idea. I've never done that, but I, I have enough people in my life that tell me when I start saying stuff wrong. That's good too, amen? Let's look at Psalm 37. Now, many of you quote Psalm 37, verse 5, you know, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he will do it. But there's, a, there's more to Psalm 37 than just that. Now, Psalm 37 is written by King David, and they, uh, they think that this was written in his old age. How many know that he'd gone through a whole lot of stuff, right? <laughs> He, he had been through a whole lot of stuff. And he learned that God was able to deliver him. He learned how to have success even when the heat came. He learned how to not fear, how to not fret, and how to trust God. And that's what we have to learn. You have to get to the place where when fear starts rising up, you switch to trust. Amen? Verse 1 starts it out right off. Do not fret. <laughs> you know, when the, when the Bible says things like do not, it's not a suggestion. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do Be not envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. That sounds like somebody that's not planted by the water, right? Remember, 
If you're planted by the water, the living water, your leaves won't turn. They'll stay green. You'll stay fruitful. Amen? He says here, evildoers, they're going to wither like the grass. And they'll fade away like the green herb. You know what? Don't care. Don't give a care about the world. I like what my spiritual father, Brother Copeland, taught us several years ago. He, he talked about, gave us this, this little phrase. And he, he got it out of a movie. I think it was a John Wayne movie. I don't suggest that you get your doctrine from John Wayne movies, by the way. <laughs> but there was a line in this movie, and, and uh, the character said, I can't tell you how much I don't care. And he was, he was teaching us how to cast our cares on the Lord. And so we have to get to the place where we don't care. Now, I don't mean that just I'll do whatever I want to. I'm talking about we don't have the cares of the world. That we've cast them on the Lord. So that when the devil comes and says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Anybody had the devil tell you? Ask you lately, what are you going to do? I think that's one of his favorite quotes. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Our answer is, I'm going to do the word of the Lord, the will of God. And he's going to say something. Well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And you can tell him, I can't tell you how much I don't care. Well, if you do that, people aren't going to like you. They're going to talk about you. Listen, people talked about you when you served the devil. They're going to talk about you anyway. Someone came the other day and said somebody was talking about them. I just laughed. What's new? Listen, didn't people talk about you before you knew Jesus? And, you know, when, when you're serving the devil... Many times you had that attitude. I don't care. I don't care what people say. I don't care. I don't care. We have to have that with the devil. And we have to have that with the world. That we live in a standard according to this word of God. And that we do not care. We take no care. The Bible says take no care. We don't take the care. We cast the care. Cares come. We're not, we're not saying that you'll never have a care. Yes, you will. But as soon as you get it, cast it over on the Lord. You catch it and you pass it. Amen. You're like the quarterback. When the, when the center gives him the ball, he gets rid of it. If, if they're coming to tackle him, it's not smart to hold on to the ball, Mr. Quarterback, because you're going to get trampled. So get rid of it. That's what you got to do with the care. Soon as it comes, throw it out. Give it to the Lord. And then you're safe. Listen, they're not going to tackle a quarterback who doesn't have the ball. Well, they might, but they're, that's not smart. <laughs> but when you, you cast that care, let me tell you, you are saying to the enemy, I don't have it. I don't have a care. You know, when, when people come up to you and they, you know, they're, they're just trying to be 
nice. I understand that. They're trying to be sweet. And they'll say, well, take care. We're not supposed to take cares. I used to be, when I, I wasn't so nice, I used to say, I'm not taking that care, and I'd just give them a whole little lecture. Now I figure, you know what? I know when, the, when someone says that to me, I might smile, but inside I always say, I cast my care on Jesus. I, I, I get that right away because, you know what? It's not going to help to rebuke the bank teller. She's just trying to be nice. You know, when I first got saved, I tell you, I learned the power of the tongue. I learned, Brother Hagin, you know, Mark 11, 23 and 24. And I was, I'm telling you, I rebuked everybody. Nobody could talk in my presence. I was rebuking everybody. It, it didn't get a lot of people turned on to the Lord. You have to know how to, how to treat people. Amen? And understand they don't know. And I had to remember, I didn't know. Someone had to teach me. Amen? So we have, to, we have to learn how to cast our care on the Lord. Then it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. Now we're going to take a few steps here. Let's see what he says. Number one, he says, do not fret. That's verse one, didn't he? So don't fret. Fret means don't take worry. Don't be vexed about it. Don't be annoyed with it. So don't fear. Don't, do not fret. Don't fear. Then number two, trust in the Lord. If you have fear, you have to replace fear with faith. And you can't have faith unless you trust the Lord. Does that make sense? So, don't fear. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do you know what we're called to do good? Amen. We're called to to do good. James says, show me your faith. I'll show you my works. Our works should be good works. Amen. God has placed in us the ability and the desire to do good to all men. Because God does good. And we are made in the image of our Father. Amen. God is good. He's good to all. So that means if I'm his child, I should be good and be good to all. Because that's the character of God. So we trust in the Lord and we do good. Dwell in the land. That's a big one. Dwell in the land. What's dwell in the land mean? It means to... Stay where God puts you. Abide there. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. We got some farmers in here. When you cultivate a, a land, you, you are getting it ready for the harvest. Amen? It's being cultivated. It's being prepared. So he says, you cultivate faithfulness. In other words, you stir up. You Make faithfulness come out. Well, <laughs> to dwell in the land, sometimes you've got to be faithful. Well, all the time you do. Because when you're where God wants you, don't you know that offense comes up? 
Don't you know that people can rub you the wrong way? Don't you know that things will come up that will make you want to just quit? Oh, man, y'all are quiet. Maybe you've never even thought that. Good for you. But I'll tell you how some people think. When times get hard, remember when the heat comes? Sometimes when the heat comes, people flee. Or people back away from what God's called them to do. Because there will be tough times. But Jesus will always go with you. You're never alone. You never have to go through it by yourself. And if we'll dwell in the land, God will have people with us. Amen. It's wonderful to have the family of God. When I first got saved, you know, um, I was raised in church, been in church since the time I was, they said my mama brought me from the hospital to the church. I, I played the organ. I taught Sunday school. I preached in youth conferences. But I wasn't born again. That wasn't a big deal in my church. Um, remember, we just thought Baptists got born again because they talked about it all the time. I said we. I'm talking about me and my friends, not but my church. But, but when I got born again, I learned that what I'd learned wasn't always right. Anybody like that? And so I had to learn how to cultivate faithfulness that came from my heart, not out of I was expected. Because I'd been faithful. Listen, you can be faithful without being born again. Isn't that true? I was very faithful. Every time the the doors of the church opened, I was there. But I can't tell you where I was on Saturday night. That's a different story. But once I got born again, then that changed. Praise the Lord. But my mama, she, um, she, she said that uh, when I got born again, I was just radical. I was radically born again. You ought to get radically saved. Amen? Everybody ought to be radically saved. I got radically saved. My mama said, she said, I prayed for my children to get saved, but you got oversaved. Well, praise the Lord. That's a good thing. Now, you know that's not true. Because you're saved. You're not undersaved or oversaved. You're just saved. But praise God, you ought to be radical about it. Not milk toast. You ought to be radical. One preacher said to my husband, he was a, 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 a what are, I, priest, I guess they called him, in the Episcopal Church in our town. And, and David, this is, before, this is even before I got born again. I didn't even know David. But there, he was having these great revivals in our city with the hippies and the drug uh, people and stuff. And, and, I mean, God was doing great things. And so the Episcopal preacher came to David and he says, I don't know what it is. He said, everywhere you go, there's revival. Everywhere I go, they offer me a cup of tea. Well, praise the Lord. It's time to not have a cup of tea. It's time to have revival. Amen. It's time to have an encounter with God. Amen. So it says, 
Commit your way. Well, let's go back. Dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. You know, that's, we don't use that word too much anymore, delight. But isn't it wonderful that we can delight ourselves in the Lord? You can take your day and you can just take your word of God and you can take your Bible and you can sit in your chair and you can just delight in the Lord. And you start by just praising, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Start giving him praise. Start talking to him about what you're thankful for. And you start just delighting in him. You know, he delights in you. You can delight yourself in the Lord. So first of all, don't fret. Second of all, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now see, when I first got saved, we quoted this scripture all the time. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. We didn't even look at what was before it. Those things are important, what's before it. Amen? God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but there are some steps to get there. Now, by grace, thank God for grace, amen. We're under grace, praise God. But at the same time, to access those things of God, we're going to have to do some things. We're going to have to delight ourselves in the Lord. We're going to have to commit our ways to the Lord. What does that mean, commit your ways to the Lord? That means that everything you do, you ought to ask God. Amen? I can't imagine. I, 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 I do imagine, I guess, but I don't know. There's people that take jobs. There's people that move to other cities. There's people that, that marry somebody, and they don't take time to even ask God. Now, maybe they'll ask him after they've already agreed to do that. That's a little behind the ball, right? That's backwards. So if I'm going to commit my way to the Lord, I'm going to go to him and say, what do you think, Jesus? What's your, what's your idea on this? What's, what's your, uh, your guidance? What's your wisdom on this? The Bible says in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to every man freely and he doesn't hold back from anyone. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. Amen? So there, there is a process to hear the word of the Lord, to have God's answer. You've got to not be double-minded. How many of you have asked God for something? And then you changed your mind. Then you went back. Then you changed your mind. Anybody besides me? Yeah. Did you notice you didn't get anything? When God, you know, when I, when I got saved and, I, you know, I was in my mid-20s. And, of course, as soon as I got saved, everybody thought I ought to get married. And, uh, you know, they were lining every preacher that came to town to... That's, how about him? How about him? And you know what? I said, well, I'm not sure I want to get married. Because when I go to these ladies' meetings and I pray for ladies, 80% of them want prayer for their husbands, for their marriage. Why would I? 
I mean, I'm not too bright, but I could figure out why would I want something that causes so much trouble. And I don't know why people keep wanting me to pray for that. And so I really, it's like, okay, I don't want to get married. I don't ever want to get married. And then, you know, something would stir in my heart, and I'd go, well, I'm going to believe God for a husband. And then two weeks later, I don't think I want to do that. Is Is it amazing that nothing happened? And one day the Lord talked to me and he said, you're double-minded. And so how many of you did like I did and start explaining to God why I'm double-minded, like he needs to know that? Let me explain to you, Lord, why I'm double-minded on this. Do you think he sits up there and goes, oh, I never thought about it like that. Thank you for sharing. No, he just listens and saying, well, they'll get it in a minute. And I got it. And I'm telling you, I got it. I got single-minded. I sat down and I wrote a prayer petition to God, told God what I wanted. And within six weeks, David Bounds came from Mexico through California and landed at my doorstep in in Arlington, Texas. Within six weeks of me getting single-minded. And from that time, there's been times with... When, when we needed a new home, when we were going to have the, our second baby and we couldn't put another baby in that little bitty house we had in Loon Lake, and we went to the Lord. We were double-minded. We didn't know whether to build a house. To, I, don't, I can't believe now that we thought we could build onto that shack, but we, we thought that would be a good idea. Crazy. Or go buy a house. Now, we lived in Loon Lake. It's not like the housing market was just... You had 25 houses to choose from. I think at that time there were three. And, uh, you know, we, we were so double, we were triple-minded. We weren't just double-minded. We were triple-minded. We didn't know what to do. And so one day we started to, we decided we're going to fast and pray because we had to know. Now, at the same time, we were building the church, this building right here we were building. We were building the church in Loon Lake, and they tell you, if, you want, if you're in the ministry and you want to burn out, go through a building project. We decided to do two church buildings at the same time. And then we're going to do, we needed a house. And so we were sitting there, we were fasting and praying, and we were sitting at the dining room table. God, what do we do? What do we do? And we're praying. And then David laughed. And I think he's got the answer. What is it, David? What's God saying? And he said, God says, he doesn't care whatever we want. I'm still triple-minded. That is not what I want. I want him to write on the wall. Buy a house. Renovate this house. Build a house. He wanted us to be single-minded, but he wanted us to know he will bless us whichever. You know what? God will work with you. Sometimes, you know, Sometimes people want to make it this great big, you know, I got I to gotta hear from heaven. Like me, I wanted a writing on the wall. You know, how many of you had God write on the wall any time? Any, anybody had that? It's not like it, that's his favorite thing to do. We're in the new covenant. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. And God uses the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we're not supposed to go looking for fleeces because if you look for fleece, you're going to get fleeced. We're not supposed to look for burning bushes 
That was not, you know, that's not probably not going to happen. God will speak through his spirit to you. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? But sometimes we don't, we don't trust that voice. Why? Because we're not attuned to listening. We haven't gotten used to hearing his voice. If you'll spend time with him, you'll know his voice. Amen? How many, you know, you know the voice of your friend. You know the voice of your family members. My husband, when he, Kim tells the story of, of uh, David would call her because that she was helping in the ministry at Loon Lake. And every time he would call, he'd say, this is David Bounds. You know, and she, she was always polite and respectful, but she, I think she wanted to say, I know that. <laughs> he would call his sister. Hello, this is David Bounds. Maybe he just liked to inform everybody, this is David Bounds. No, he had learned that's proper etiquette. That's proper telephone etiquette. You announce who you are. But you know, when <laughs> we knew his voice. We knew what he sounded like. And even when he tried to talk in duck talk, to be Donald Duck, I still knew it was him. When you love someone and you spend time with them, you know their voice. And even when they try to disguise it, which God would never try to disguise his voice, by the way, you know that voice. And so that's why we're supposed to have confidence in the Holy Spirit inside of us. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's go on. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. Remember we talked about trust. Trusting in the Lord, and his trust is the Lord. He will bring forth your righteousness, righteousness as a light and your judgment as a noonday. Now, if you've done all this, here's what you can do. You can rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. How many people have had trouble resting in the Lord? My hand goes up. You know God's saying, if you'll just rest in me. Just rest. Some people don't know how to rest physically. In the natural, they don't know how to rest. Some people are always going to be doing something. Even if they're sitting, they're doing this. They're, they're always doing something. They don't know how to rest. God says there's a rest in him. Amen? And so when we're trusting in the Lord, if I'm trusting him, then I can sit down and I can rest. Because me fretting about it's not going to make it better. Me worrying about it's not going to make it better. Me even thinking about it's not going to make it better. The only thing that's going to make it better is me resting in him and speaking the word over the situation and saying, this is what God says. Brownie, don't fret, don't fret, don't fret. Yes, but does God know that this bill is due this week? You know, God knows when your bills are due. He does. He's God Almighty. What do you think? You think it comes as a surprise to him? No. So God is saying rest and wait patiently. Anybody have problems with patience? How many like that scripture in the New Testament that says, Tribulation worketh patience? How many have seen the bumper sticker that says, 
I want patience, and I want it right now. Patiently. Wait patiently. There again, if I'm not trusting, I can't wait patiently. But when I'm trusting, I can wait patiently. And I can wait, and I can wait, and I can wait. What does Paul say? Paul says, and he says that when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Remember he talks about putting on the whole armor of God, standing against the enemy. And then he says, but when you've done all to stand, stand. We want him to say, when you've done all to stand, you're through. But sometimes you just have to keep standing. Brother Hagen said it like this. If you're willing to stand forever, it won't take so long. Or won't take too long, I think is how he said it. You have to have it in your heart that I will stand. Some of you are believing God for your family members to get born again. You're, you have your faith out that I am not willing. Like I told one of my family members, I'm not willing for you to go to hell. I'm not willing to go to heaven without you. So it doesn't matter what you say to me, that doesn't change anything. Because I'm going to stand and keep standing. I'm going to believe God and keep believing now that family member's born again now. Praise the Lord. But we have to learn how to trust in the Lord and wait patiently. Remember we talked about waiting on the Lord? That doesn't mean being non-productive. There's things that doesn't... Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that you just check out. But you trust in Him. You can trust the Lord. He will do you good. God is for you. The Bible says, if God be for me, who can be against me? God wants the best for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know my plans I have for you. They're for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. That's God's plan. God doesn't plan evil for you. I don't care what the media says. I don't care what you read on the internet. God does not plan evil for you. Because Jesus came and abolished that for the people of God. So God has a plan for you. Listen, in your darkest hours, you have to know this. God has a plan. That's the first thing. God has a plan. Aren't you glad God's got a plan? Because sometimes you don't have a plan. That's okay. God's got a plan. In your darkest hours, remember, God's got a plan. That doesn't mean he did what caused you to be in that darkest hour, by the way. But he, he's in that with you and says, I got a plan. My plan is for good and not for evil. And you will have a future and you will have a hope. He said in that same scripture, Jeremiah 29, call upon me and I will hear you. I will answer you. Amen. He is waiting for us to trust him. Did you ever teach one of your children how to swim? And you put them on the edge of the pool and you said, jump in. And you're standing there waiting to catch them. 
I mean, they have to trust you. I remember being in a pool and a daddy thought, this is funny. He told his child to jump in and he moved back. And the little kid went right straight down. And, of course, we're all going, and he laughs and he says, that'll teach him. Never trust anybody. That's not a good daddy, is it? When when my children were taught, they knew daddy was going to catch them. Because daddy does that. Daddy catches you. Father God will catch you. He's not trying to teach you not to trust. He's teaching you to trust. Not trust everybody and everything, but trust him. The father that is standing in that swimming pool, he's not supposed to teach you to trust everybody by being there to catch you when you jump in. He's teaching you, you can trust me. If I lift my hands and say jump, I'll be there to catch you. Amen? Aren't you glad you got a father in heaven who loves you and is there to catch you and will never trick you? That's not his nature. He he doesn't think it's funny when you fall or when you fail. Even when you fall. I love that scripture in the Old Covenant that says that when I fall, I shall arise. Man, I have fallen. Have you? I've I've had a fall, but I have arisen. Amen? Some people have bigger falls than others, but the bottom line is Jesus is there to raise you up. He lifts me up. He said, look up. I am your helper. I am the one who will keep you. And if you fall, you will arise. That's good news. If we fall. You know, you're you're not supposed to plan to sin, and I trust not one of you has a plan to sin in your heart today. But if you do, then the blood of Jesus, he's there to forgive you. Now, you've got to come to him, but he's there to forgive you, amen, and cleanse you and wash you and love on you. His love never stopped. Your sin didn't stop God's love. Your sin didn't stop God's grace. Amen? God is there to lift you up. Just like when these little kids are starting to to walk, you know, they're not so steady. But you, when they fall, you don't just say, well, I told you you couldn't walk. Stupid kid. No, you're so proud of them that they tried. Aren't, Aren't parents funny? Like now, you know, get the video camera. I remember when Jonathan was was just learning to walk, our video camera was like this big. And we thought for sure we could catch his first walk, his first steps, because he was so close. And so, okay, David, 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 get the camera, get the camera. But he couldn't get it all together before Jonathan was already walking. We missed those first steps. But you know what? He failed before David could get the camera going. I wasn't upset with Jonathan. I was upset with David. Like, you missed it. But, our, I mean, isn't that how we are when our children are starting to walk? It's like, like that's the greatest thing. You want to you put it 
Now people put it on the YouTube. They put it on Facebook. Look, everybody. They took their first step. Like the whole world wants to know that. Because as parents, that's what we think. Surely you want to see my baby take their first step. That's how God is. God is there. He's your biggest cheerleader. He's your biggest encourager. He will never put you down. He will never discourage you. If discouragement comes, it is not from God. If you feel condemnation, it is not from God. God, (laughs) he's already handled that. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There is no, that means no, no means no. In the Bible, right? There is no condemnation. So praise the Lord. If we trust him, if we do not fret, if we do not fear or worry, we trust him, we commit our ways to him. He will, he will direct our paths. He will show us what to do. I want to encourage you today to stop fretting. Stop worrying about what you're going to do. Stop worrying about things that you can't even control. There's some things that that you're just going to have to trust God. And sometimes when someone says it, you think, well, that's just easy for you to say, trust God. I remember having that thought once when someone said that to me in one of my darkest hours. They said, Brownie, you're just going to have to trust God. And I remember saying I don't really know how to do that right now. But I tell you, as I just let God be God, then I I started trusting him. And he did take care of it. It says, let's go to verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Never let your anger... Well, actually, just get rid of your anger. You know, anger could be a spirit. But... Doesn't always have to be a spirit. But anger is something that will keep you out of rest. Have you ever been angry and just felt so restful? (laughs) You can't be angry and restful. Anger stirs you up. So it says, cease from anger And forsake wrath. You know what? It's not our job to bring wrath on the world or to bring wrath on anybody. That's not our job. We're commanded to love. We're under the new covenant. The commandment of love. Amen? Wrath has been done away with. Do not fret. Here he says it again. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. Now that's a big statement. It leads only to evil doing. Fretting and worrying leads only to evil doing. That's big, guys. Isn't it? Don't fret. It leads to evil doing. So if you're having some trouble doing evil, I mean, like you're finding yourself doing evil, check yourself out. Are you worrying? Are you fearful? Are you fretful? You know, 1 John says that perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. One of the definitions of fret is torment. 
We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. Hallelujah. Amen. So do not fret. It leads only to evil doing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Now that's that's the book of Psalm. Let's go to see what the New Testament says. Philippians 4, verse 6. Philippians 4. Remember the book of Philippians. Paul wrote that book out of that terrible, terrible prison. Philippians, the book they call the book of joy. Written in the most horrible situation. And yet Paul wrote it because he knew who he had believed in. And he was trusting God, and he was waiting patiently on God, and he was not fretting himself because of evildoers. Now, what if the Apostle Paul fretted himself because of evildoers? People were doing him evil all the time, weren't they? I mean, everywhere he went, they tried to stone him, tried to kill him. What if he had gotten fretful about that? What if he had worried about that? What if he gotten fearful about that? Would he have done the will of the Lord? He couldn't have. Right? Y'all are quiet now. Wake up. Tell your, tell your person beside you, wake up. She's almost through. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So first of all, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry. What did Jesus say to Jairus? Don't worry, only believe, Jairus. When they told him, told Jairus, your daughter is dead. Jesus said, don't worry, only believe. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Remember, God taught us about being thankful. And do you find yourself, even during praise and worship, every time you're just thankful? That's a wonderful thing. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, you can't comprehend God's peace, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Today, I pray that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You know your mind is the battlefield many times. Your mind... And that's why we have to have our mind renewed by the word of God. There's a renewing of our mind. Because if we don't renew our mind, our mind will think whatever it wants to. And whatever it hears someone else say, that's what it's going to think. So the only way we can get the mind of Christ is to renew it by the word of God. Amen. We renew it. We refresh it. We renew means make new again. Sometimes you have to renew your mind over and over and over. Every day when we read the word, we are renewing our mind. Every day. Because you know what? Stuff will come in your mind today that you never thought about yesterday. Like, where did that thought come from? Well, thoughts come from different ways, and I'm not teaching on that today. But... You have to know this, that you have the authority, you have the ability to think the thoughts of God. You have the ability to have the mind of Christ. 
you, the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is not worried. The mind of Christ is not sweating it. The mind of Christ can wait patiently on the Lord. Doesn't the Bible say keep your mind stayed on him? You can't think about Jesus and think about, you know, fearful thoughts. They don't go together. That's why it's important that you have authority. That you, well, you do have authority, but that you take authority over your thoughts. Take every thought captive. You have to take those thoughts that are not of God. You capture them. Don't think about them for half a day. Have you ever had a thought? You know, you know, it's you. You might, maybe you don't recognize it right then that it's not of God. Maybe it's just a thought. But that's how sin comes in. You think about it. You think about it. Then it gets in your heart. Once you let it get in your heart. See, it starts up here. Satan has ways that, you know, people are talking, media is talking. Those things, music, things. That's why you have to be careful what you listen to. The little song that the children sing, Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. So true for all of us, isn't it? Because hearing will cause thoughts. And at some point, you're going to have to take them captive if they come against the word of the Lord. So you can't listen to, you know, how horrible everything is and and how God is killing people, how God is causing this hurricane. God did this. You can't listen to those things. And have your mind stayed on him. Jesus gave the answer for fretting. In fact, in my Bible, in my New American Standard Bible, it it titles this section of Matthew 6, which was the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus was preaching. This is from Jesus' sermon. Should Should we listen to what he might have preached? What Not what he might have, what he did preach? Of course we should. Matthew 6. But my subtitle, now I'm sure Jesus didn't have the subtitle there. (laughs) But my New American says, the cure for anxiety. (laughs) Matthew 6, verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, those that don't have God as their father, the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Isn't that the truth? That's what the world is consumed by. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to put on? Where are we going to live? What are we going to do? He said, The Gentiles eagerly seek after these things. 
For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. Now here's our answer. That's what the Gentiles do. That's those who don't have God. That's what they do. What do we do who, who know our God? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. He's saying you cannot get these things by worrying about it. Now, number one, we're not supposed to go chasing things. We chase God. I mean, you know what I mean. We follow after God. We have a passion for God. We are not supposed to just, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. That's come, that gets into lust of other things. You're supposed to have a passion, a hunger for God. Amen? Not things. But the world teaches us, get more things, you'll be happy if you have more things. Get more things, you'll be happy. Well, look at, look at people who have a lot of things. There's some that have the Lord, they have things, but the things don't have them, and they can be happy. But there's th- people who have things, and they're serving their flesh, and they're serving the God of this world. They're committing suicide. Because things are not the answer. That's why we're supposed to seek God's face. Seek the creator, not the creation. Seek him. And all these things will be added. He's not saying you have to do without clothes. He's not saying you're going to have to do without food. He's not saying not saying that at all. He's saying, I'll, I'll take care of that. You'll have that. You just don't have to worry about it. It's such freedom when you get to the place where you're not worried. Where you have truly cast your care on the Lord. You have no care. And you get up and, and you don't worry. Well, I'm, not, I'm just not going to worry about it. Because when you get to the place where you really, 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 really believe that God is able to take care of you then you can back off and realize all you're getting is not going to get it. That God cares for me, cares affectionately for me, and God will take care of me. You know that old hymn that we sang when I was a kid, God will take care of you. Through everything, God will take care of you. That's a wonderful thing to believe, that God will take care of me. Storms come, but I can just move out of the storm. Tell that storm, what did Jesus say to the storm? Hush. Shh. That's what he said to that storm. We, we can speak to storms in the natural. Many of you... Told me about speaking to the funnel clouds and speaking to the wind. We can speak to those things. Take, you know, take authority over storms in the natural. But we can take care of storms in our emotions, in our, in our life. I'm going to read this to you as we close out of the Message Bible. I guess we don't have, we not had scriptures up today. Oh, there's nobody back there right now. 
Brent, can you go back there and put this on the message Bible? Praise the Lord. Because it's better if you can see it than just hearing it. Hallelujah. I want us to all be in a place. Because, listen, we have gone through some storms lately. And this week, you know, there were storms that came. But let me tell you, Jesus walked through it with us. Walked through it with you guys. And he's not through walking. He doesn't just walk you through and say, okay, well, that was good. See you later. He continues to walk with you. God never leaves us or forsakes us. Never. Never. It doesn't matter what we see, feel, or hear. What, what is faith? Faith, according to Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Or, as one translation says, the evidence of things not perceived with your five physical senses. So you don't need faith if your five physical senses can tell you. But faith is believing in what you don't see. When, when the circumstances say you cannot make it, faith says you can. When circumstances says, what are you going to do? Faith says, God will help you. God's got a plan. Listen, I've walked through some really tough times. I've been in places where I, that I was given no hope to physically live. I've had loved ones go to heaven. I've, I've walked through some tough places, but I can guarantee you that I was never alone. Jesus never forsook me. And the family of God didn't forsake me. And great grace came upon me and on my family. And we're here to testify. If God will do it for one, he'll do it for another. Because the Bible says he's no respecter of persons. What God did for me, he'll do for you. Amen? We just have got to stop fretting and start trusting. Let me read this to you. You can read with me. Let's read it together. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless of the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by as much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you. 
What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Amen? Not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Hallelujah. Keep going. Let's go back to that. Verse 32. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's simple, church. This is not hard. It's simple. God made it simple for us because we're simple. Amen? God made it simple to trust him. Wait on the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Commit your way to him. Don't fret. Don't worry. Delight yourself in the Lord. Cultivate faithfulness. Dwell in the land. Those are so key to do, yet the church of Jesus Christ has many times wanted God to do something without them doing anything. Like maybe just poof. But there is a way. There is a way that God has. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter and brighter until the dawn of the new day. Your path, right now it might look a little dim, but let me tell you the word says, because, because of Jesus we are the righteousness of God. The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter and brighter until the dawn of the new day. That's that day when the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, you're not going under, you're going over. You're not walking in darkness because God's lighting the path. His word is a lamp unto our feet. And a light unto our path. That's the word of our living God. Amen. So today. Rejoice. And choose today. It's a choice. Church we have choices. God doesn't say you have to. God. I mean you got born again. Not because God said you better get born again. He said here's the free gift. Salvation is free. Jesus has paid the price. We don't have to pay for it. The Bible says it's not by works of righteousness by which you have done, but it's according to his mercy and his grace that he saved us. So praise the Lord. You're saved by grace, not by works, lest any man should boast. And so that's how we live, by faith. We live not trying hard. And if I just work harder, 
Then you get into works. Let me tell you, you rest in the Lord. You wait patiently for him. You do what we read in Psalm 37. Go back and read it today. Read it this week over and over. And just read those and understand there, there is a way to be in the perfect will of God. There is a way to live carefree. There is a way to live without worry. And let me tell you, our whole world system is totally opposite that. But we are not of this world. We're in the world, but we're not of this world. God has a better thing for us. Amen? Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet this morning.